With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hey, everyone. So this week, I just released my latest book. Uh, it's called The Book of Why and How. It's the result of the thousands of hours of interviews that I've done with many of the world's highest of achievers. As you know, uh, we're over now 4,000 interviews. So I tried to take what I learned during those interviews and put them together in this brand new book. It also includes insight by close to 400 of those same thought leaders, You know their quotes, photos, the whole works in this book as well. And really what... I guess motivated me to put this book together is, and I don't share this story often, but I started with a Fortune 500 company back in the, I guess it was the mid to late 90s, and it was the 58th largest company in North America at the time, and I was really shocked to find out in the first week I started, I had almost zero training, I felt helpless and hopeless, and I really said to myself then I wanted to make sure that I helped other people not have to go through what I went through. You know, because helplessness or hopelessness doesn't have to be at the start of a new job. It can be various aspects of your life. And I really wanted to learn what these uh, high achievers, these thought leaders were doing differently so that I could share it with other people in easily digestible ways and in the case of a book, a low-cost way so that you could learn from what these people have done and I could learn from what they had done during my interviews as well and so that we could uh, maybe avoid that hopelessness or helplessness we feel when we don't have access to that type of experience exclusive insight that other people may have access to. So again, put this book together uh, to hopefully address that. I launched it with a Kickstarter campaign, and that's mainly because I wanted to be able to offer some really exclusive bonuses for the people that support the project. At the same time, it's a way for people to be a part of it and and help support the project and make sure it comes to life. Uh, So really excited to bring this all together. Uh, The bonuses themselves you can actually find right on the website. If you go down the right-hand side, it lists the different levels different numbers of books you can buy and you'll find exclusive bonuses which each different level worth checking out I think Uh, again the idea with the book is to hopefully give you access to insight you wouldn't normally be able to get unless you spent the same thousands of hours that I spent researching this and interviewing these high achievers and again as well the book you know was something that was spurred on because of something that happened earlier in my life and my hope is that it serves as a game changer or a transformational moment for you you know the moment you start reading the book and hopefully the moment that you finish it. So if you want to learn more about it, if you want to grab your copies today, if you want to get access to these great bonuses, or if you just want to support this project uh, because you want to make sure it jumps off the ground in a big way, feel free to go to thebookofwhy.com. Again, thebookofwhy.com, and you'll get all of the information there. And of course, as always, love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. You can reach us at conversationswithleaders at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Hi everyone, this is Shelly, aka The Phoenix. Are you ready to be motivated, educated, entertained, and inspired? Well, you have come to the right place. Now get your pen and paper ready because you're listening to the newest episode of the Conversations with Passion radio show with your host, Corey Poirier. 
Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and excited to be back with the latest edition of the Conversations with Passion radio show. Really exciting to have a returning guest, but somebody we haven't had in the show in a little while. Uh, so, Laurel E. Burgess, really excited to have you here today. And I think, um, you know, probably the best, I guess, starting point would be to get you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your backstory, and then we can talk about some of the great work that you do with Oxford Learning. Okay. Well, thanks for having me, Corey. I appreciate it. Um, so, like you said, my name is Laura Lee Burgess, and I've been involved with Oxford Learning since uh, 2000. Um, you know, really the way I started out was my sister um, needed help from Oxford Learning back in the 80s. She was a struggling reader in grade three. So Oxford's really been a part of my family for a very long time. So when the opportunity came around to franchise, my parents actually purchased the first Oxford Learning in Halifax, and I took over very soon after that, and then ended up opening a second location in Bedford uh, about six years ago. Wow. So I guess you could say it's, it's sort of been in, in your family, the, the Oxford Learning uh, approach to learning has been in your family pretty much uh, for, I guess, probably half your life. Is that it, Absolutely. Closest? More than that, <laughs> more than that, since I was, I would say, probably 10 years old. So, um, yeah, I've definitely grown up knowing what Oxford Learning did and uh, was able to see the progress and, um, you know, improvement that it made in my own sister. So it's, um, it's something that's uh, definitely very close to us as a family. So I guess the first starting point I'd like to start in with would be, can you, I guess, tell us even a little bit especially for our listeners who maybe didn't catch your last visit to the show, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about Oxford Learning and the approach that Oxford takes in terms of helping guide uh, people in their, uh, you know, whether it's learning challenges or whether uh, they want to, meaning the parents want to provide some supplementary learning for their children. Can you tell us a little bit about the approach and, and maybe even philosophy? For sure. So what what Oxford does that's unique is we start off with an assessment um, that's both cognitive and academic in nature. So we find out exactly how each one of our students learns and processes information. Um, we also know exactly where they are academically. So what that allows us to do is customize a program specifically for each of them. So instead of teaching every student who needs to learn to read the same way, we're able to teach each student the way they learn best. So whether you know we're working with a preschool student or a high school or university student, we've, we're able to figure out what works best for them and deliver the material in that way. And so I, I guess you, from what you see in terms of perhaps the struggle that people go through, is it a struggle of the, maybe the school system? And I know you and I have chatted about this before, but not having the capability perhaps to personalize or customize to the individual who may be either struggling or wants to have that advantage or whatever that situation might be. Is it mostly, uh, Laura Lee, related to that, like the challenge that that person has sort of getting that individualized attention? I would say yes. I mean, schools are set up, uh, you know, in a way where there's 25, 30 kids in a class, regardless of the grade level, and the teacher doesn't have the time to really get to know each of the students on the same level that we do. Um, 
so they're unable to really customize a program for each individual student. You know, the teacher has expectations, you know, curriculum guidelines that they need to meet throughout the year, and it's very difficult to make sure that all the kids are progressing at exactly the same pace. So they don't have the same opportunity that we do, for sure. And then, I guess, from what you see, what are the, I guess, sort of the, the main, I'm going to say, pieces of feedback that go that way, that you hear from clients in terms of maybe the difference they see in their children, if we, if we use that example of the difference they might see in their children after they've been going to Oxford for a while, uh, or maybe the differences that their teachers at school are saying, or, or of course, their mm-hmm. parents might be the ones telling you that the teacher said this, they noticed this big change in them. Like, what are the kind of things that you see take place? Well, absolutely the the biggest thing and the most important thing is increased confidence. So when students come to Oxford, we're teaching them at their level. We're starting out where they are and we're moving at their pace. So they build confidence realizing that they can do this and they're experiencing success. So confidence is the very first thing that parents notice. And once kids begin to believe in themselves again and realize that they can do whatever is presented, they're more willing to try. And so that would be the biggest change that we see in kids. So once that confidence increases, then we see the academics begin to improve after that. Now, and I know you, you, you and I chatted about this as well, and, and I mean, I've been sort of following the change in the, uh, in the educational world over the last number of years. And obviously, with technology, there's a lot of changes that are taking place. Do you, based on your experience, do you find it still as beneficial for uh, children to, for example, read from books, or is there a difference, like let's say reading from an iPad, or like do you have any preference based on what you've seen, or is there any study you've heard that says uh, reading, let's say, from uh, printed material is a, is a difference between rigid, reading digitally? I mean, I'm just curious about this because I know people have their own preferences, but I just don't know if right. there anything that sort of backs up based on what you've heard. Well, I mean, there's there's plenty of research in both, uh, you know, reading a book on paper and, and reading a book on an iPad. Um, my personal opinion is that if you're reading, you're reading. And, you know, the iPad or, you know, e-readers, it presents an opportunity for some kids who are not really interested in picking up a book to become more interested. So there's more apps that are engaging kids, that are helping kids with words that they don't know. Um, You know, the text-to-speech apps on some of these books allow kids to be able to figure out words that otherwise they may have just skipped over. So I think, you know, I I think there's lots of research that says reading a paper book, you know, you you get more out of that. Um, But I also think there's plenty to support the fact that if you are reading from an e-reader or, you know, an iPad, that you're reading more than you would be otherwise. Well, another thing that I've heard from people, too, and I mean, I have sort of my thoughts on it, but, you know, even something like, let's say, Harry Potter. I've yep. heard you know, people, you know, comment like, well, you know, a lot of children now are reading Harry Potter, and that's not the same as maybe reading a, a book that's going to, you know, whatever that, that thought is going to maybe enhance them personally and professionally or what have you. But it, it seems to me that things like Harry Potter, when that came along, that introduced more kids to reading than I would say most books that have come around in the last 15 to 20 years. 
or more. Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. it seems like that's a good thing overall. Would you kind of call that a good thing based on what you've seen? Um, so, yeah, I would say Harry Potter is one of those books that really did spark reading in kids that were not necessarily interested. So I think that's a great book for kids to get started because it does, it hooks them in and there's, what, seven of them now so they can continue reading. What I also love about Harry Potter is it's a really great opportunity to say to the kids, listen, I want you to read this book and then we'll see the movie. So there's some incentive there to be able to read and then see, you know, did the vision I had in my head as I was reading match what it looks like in the movie? Um, so that it's a really great way to encourage kids to read if the book is made into a movie. And there's several of those now um, that, you know, you can get the kids to read the book first and then watch the movie as an incentive after. So, Loralee, another area that, and, and you know, you can tell me if this is a, a fair question to ask in terms of, um, you know, something that I guess I'm seeing a lot, but I'm, and I know we all are, but uh, I'm not sure, again, how much uh, study there's been done into this or, or what you may have heard. I, I guess you probably have access to more than I would. But when it comes to things like, for example, um, autism, where, you know, we hear people being on the spectrum with autism and, and, and we hear of autism, I'm going to say a thousand percent more than whenever, of course, I was growing up and when you were growing up. Um, but we hear about autism a lot more. Is, do you feel, based on, again, maybe what you've heard, is there something that's contributing to that, or do you think that it's something where we just didn't hear about it before because we didn't know it and it wasn't diagnosed? Because I'm just curious as to if it's maybe something that, that is triggering it, uh, you know, maybe it's the food reading, the environment we are in today, or is it, like, again, just that we didn't know about it before? When it comes to that sort of thing, I think that research has certainly evolved um, since we were kids. I don't think that it, and I mean, my own opinion, I don't think it, it did not exist when we were younger. I think they just didn't know enough about what it was or how to treat it. Um, my feelings on ADD or ADHD um, may be a little different. Um, I do think that existed. I think it is much more diagnosed these days, but I also think that a lot of that, and again, my own opinion, um, is because in society, we are not teaching kids the same way that we used to. So there's not a lot of, you know, quiet, sit, read, um, you know, writing on your own. A lot of kids are into electronics these days or they're, you know, on an iPad, on a screen, watching TV. They're always on the go. So we don't have enough of that practice of sitting quietly. And I think we do see that a lot more in a classroom, that kids are busy and moving and, you know, much more energetic than maybe they were in the past. I think part of that has to do with um, our culture today, uh, I think that may be um, overdiagnosed. I think that's a fair statement. Um, but I do think it existed, and I, I do think it does exist for some kids, but I think that there are a lot of kids that are maybe diagnosed with ADD or ADHD who just really haven't learned to focus or sit and concentrate. 
And so I'm sure you had parents asking you as well, you know, what to sort of do about that. Do you, are you, I'll say a fan of, or do you recommend that sort of downtime? Like I know some parents and and people I've talked to who say, okay, Sunday's no technology day, or uh, you're allowed to use technology for one hour a day and stuff like that. Are you a fan of that, or do you recommend things like that? Absolutely. I think, you know, being able to sit and focus and attend to something quietly for, you know, ignore what's going on around you takes practice. And I think that is something that, you know, you can incorporate into your home, whether it's, like you said, an hour of electronics or, you know, no electronics on a particular day, whatever sort of works for your family. But I think it really is important to keep in mind that that's a skill, you know, being able to read a book uninterrupted for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, it takes practice that I don't think we do enough of today. So if parents can do more of that at home, I think you would certainly see that ability to attend and to focus and to concentrate improve. So, you know, and I I guess uh, you yourself, and and we've chatted about this as well, uh, so I say some of those things when I say we chatted just to say that I sort of have a little bit of a, a backstory on it. But I know yourself, you have children you're raising too. And mm-hmm. so this is probably, I'm sure, a battle that you face because you have, when we last chatted, I know um, your children were, were actually going through Oxford. And yeah. so, you know, you're you're probably dealing with situations as well where maybe they see other children that are using technology a lot and, and, you know, there, there's probably that temptation that didn't exist maybe when we were growing up for technology. I mean, obviously, you know, we might sit in front of a TV for hours, but it was a little different because you couldn't bring the TV with you. Um, right. Do you find yourself that that it's a challenge even for you, even with what you know and even with working within Oxford? Or have you sort of figured out some strategies that make it much easier? It's absolutely a challenge. I think it's a challenge that no matter how much I know is – you know, the right thing to do um, as the parent of an almost nine and 10 year old. It's, you know, for my daughter, if all she had to do all day was have some screen stuck in, in front of her face, that's what she would do. Now, my son, on the other hand, would get bored and he'd go play outside. But I definitely have to limit their screen time because it's it's addictive. They get sucked into it. And so we do have times where it needs to be turned off or, you know, there's no electronics in the morning. And um, it's it's not easy to manage. It really isn't. It's everywhere they go. So it's, it, it is an ongoing struggle, I would say, for me as well as every other parent. And I guess now, now if we go further down the I'm going to say the educational spectrum, and and talk about uh, some of the advantages that Oxford provides somebody. You know, a, a student, let's say, that may be going to school as well and attending Oxford, let's say, in the afternoon. Um, what what are you, what are some of the advantages that you see that they would have? You know, so I'm thinking of that parent that says maybe they want to send their child to Oxford because they want them to get the extra attention or the extra they're not getting maybe through the traditional school system, but they're still mm-hmm. going through the school system as well. What are some of the I'm going to say the advantages or the extras that they sort of would see or that they would get? Well, a lot of what we do is we really focus on teaching kids how to learn. So it's all about teaching kids 
to learn the material in a way that makes sense to them. But at the same time, lots of kids have gotten to the point that they have in school by doing very little. You know, maybe they're really bright or things have come easy, but they don't necessarily have the skills. And what we do is we teach those study skills. We teach kids the skills that they need in order to be successful in school. So things like planning and time management, you know, how to take better notes in class, how to listen more to what the teacher is saying. Those are all school skills, but they're also life skills. And so the kids are learning how to use their own strengths to improve upon their weaknesses and build up these skills that will last a lifetime. Love it. And so this is the easiest question of the whole day. Um, basically, my last of my three questions is simply, how can we learn more? So if somebody's listening, as I mentioned, from Nova Scotia, uh, that they want to maybe learn more about the work you're doing in and around Halifax, um, how would they connect with you? And then I guess if somebody is listening outside of that area, how would they connect with uh, Oxford? So I guess that's a two-part question. Yeah, so probably the best way for both is to visit our website, which is OxfordLearning.com. Um, you can then do a search for the center, the location, the province that you're looking for. Um, so if it is somebody outside of Nova Scotia, we have centers right across Canada, um, centers in the States as well. So I would say definitely visit the website and check it out, see what's in your area and close by. If it's the Halifax, the Bedford location, then we can certainly help you out and would be happy to answer any questions that anyone might have. Well, that's all, folks. That's another great show with a few great concepts and ideas that might be just what you need to get your ball rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd like to thank a few people for helping make this show possible. IB Trade Show. Go to ibtradeshow.com. Engaged Leadership. Go to in-engaged.ca. Permadry. Guaranteed solutions for leaky basements. Go to permadry.com. Sites and Bytes. Your site for great service. Sitesandbytes.ca. Oxford Learning. Never stop learning. Go to oxfordlearning.com. SmileDog. Your receptionist. Go to smiledog.ca. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of Corey Poirier, I am Marco Kelly, and this has been Conversations with Passion. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.